back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. If we could extend a hug down the airwaves right now, we would do so for our next guest, Shayna Goldman. It's been an arduous week, to say the least, and that uh, <laughs> that did not result in a live Shayna Goldman showing on our extended programming from Nashville. She's with The Athletic. She's our Friday staple. And dare I ask, Shayna, in one sentence, how would you describe your Nashville draft experience? It was amazing. I had the best time seeing everybody I wanted to see, eating all the food I wanted. It was it was really it was just this amazing experience for me. So you basically the only time she's ever lied to us. Instagram and Twitter for like 48 hours. Is that what it was like? Yeah, I I think Tuesday night I I literally started unpacking at that point and I decided to rearrange my entire closet to just not be on Instagram because I was like, this this is terrible. I can't do it. Shannon never got there. It was travel day, days from hell, so to speak. Marty, how would you describe your Nashville experience? Um, it was like fishing in the dark. It was, uh, that's, <laughs> I heard that song, like I said, 30,000 times and um, saw a lot of people. So, Shana, we miss you. I'll be honest with you. Um, I saw Chris Boda. Uh, is it Boda or Boda? Is How do we say it? From the Islanders? Oh, okay. From the Islanders. Boda, uh, I think. Coverage. Boda, yeah. I yeah. saw him there. I saw Katie Strang, and I was like, hey, I'm like, uh, mirroring Shana's having some issues, but I saw so many people from the Athletic there, obviously, and uh, yes, you were greatly missed, but um, you know what? We'll do it again in Vegas next year. We'll, we'll, try. The, what, we'll make it all up. So what's the big story now? It's buyout Friday in the NHL, apparently. Uh, we still have very few trades to speak of since when the draft commenced and free agency begins tomorrow what's uh what's the big story there aren't that many good players available in free agency so it's it's a little weak the big story i would say is the players who weren't traded during the draft which we all expected and the more i think about it the more i do think it kind of makes sense because we're seeing the rise of sign and trades which literally never happened before before matthew kachuk and now everybody wants to take you know, take notes because it's a copycat league. And we're seeing that happen more and more. Pierre-Luc Dubois was, you know, a recent example of it. These players who are up in 2024 can't extend till July 1st. So I wonder if that's coming into the fold a little bit more and why trades weren't happening because teams don't want to trade players without that certainty. And not every player and team gets to speak before the trade. It all depends on, you know, their, their current team. So I wonder if the trade market will heat back up once that can change. Is buyout now, and we we talk about the Nashville Predators with you know almost nine million dollars in dead money this year with retained salary and buyout twelve million next year and again nine the year after. Um, is this going to be some of the organization downfall? Like you look at Minnesota with what they did with Suter and Parise, now Nashville. Um, other teams are buying out players left and right. Like is that going to be a downfall in a few years from a uh, lack of growth in the cap? It might be, but I guess everybody's looking at it saying that if you can take the hit this year and you can afford it, a team like Vancouver, they knew the cap savings they would have gotten this year for Oliver Ekman Larson. It made all the sense in the world, but with the future cap growth, I think some teams are thinking, you know what, this is something we can withstand. And someone like Matt Duchesne, that contract going, I think is just a huge win for Nashville right now because they're just, 
clearing out what doesn't need to be there, what's not in the future. And they're getting so proactive with it when they could have waited. Maybe things will change next year with the new coach. Maybe the vibes will be different. And they're like, nope, we we have a plan. And if it means, you know, eating a couple dollars, we're going to do it to make it happen because it's all about the future and we can't dwell on the past. So certain teams, I think, are going to be totally fine with it. But I'm sure we'll see teams like the Wild that we keep seeing that you know, dead space killing them. It was with the Rangers a couple of years ago too. It's the risk of a buyout. And sometimes the current situation of that freedom, you know, surpasses the need for the long-term, but it does feel like everybody's kind of on cap growth. And we know what happened last time. So hopefully this time the cap growth actually happens. Well, presumably nobody's focusing too much on the 8 million and dead cap that the Hawks are carrying around. And uh, they obviously are. Is that, is that, wait, when you say 8 million and dead cap, are you talking about Foligno and Perry? Uh, that's what is I was that, about to ask. Is that are we talking million? dead cap no. or like dead uh, cap? No, no, or is it those, 16 million uh, when you those, had those Those, those would be filed under new cap charges. <laughs> and uh, they belong to some elderly statesmen. And yes, in fact, Corey Perry's $4 million deal is done on the heels of Foligno getting one too. Yeah, it's a weird weird world we are living in do you have any sense as to the best fit and for how long matt duchene might find himself in Ooh, that's a tough one because at this point you know if a team's gonna go for him they don't have to pay him his actual value which is nowhere near that eight million dollar cap but it hasn't been for some time and it's gonna be the value of a winger right he he doesn't play center anymore he's not very good down the middle so accepting that and trying to get him on the bargain like it might work for some teams, but it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like it'll be a team that wants more of a cheap veteran presence that goes for it. Kind of like what Ottawa did with Drew last year, even though Drew, I think, is a little more versatile and productive. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, which teams go for that. Or does Duchesne just want to play? If he just wants to play, a team like San Jose should be in on him because they just need goal support wherever they can get it on the wings. So why not throw him into the fold, you know, as a temporary option and then try to raise his value and move him at the deadline because they have all the lineup space in the world for it. But it just feels like this is a player who has fallen out of favor so much. I don't know how much interest there really will be. Um, JT Comfer is projected by many to gather about $5 million on a free agent contract. Tyler Bertuzzi is projected by many to get about 5.2 to 5.5 million. I find that that's crazy to think that they would be making the same money. Am, am I nuts or do I think Bertuzzi should have more value than JT Comfer? No, you're not nuts. And I think I think it's like positional blindness, honestly, right? And versatility. Like we're also blinded at the idea of a good utility forward, which JT Comfort is. He's someone that can, you know, pivot a third line and be a really strong defensive presence. He literally was a selkie caliber player this year, but he's also someone who can step up and play with the best in the world. He can play with Miko Ranson and keep pace without being a defensive weight on the line, which is something that every team seeks because how often do we hear they have this offensive star, but he lacks in his own zone. You need to balance it out with someone with a little more two-way presence. And so often that's someone that drags the line down. But the difference is JT's a very good player. He can learn a little bit more offensively from his sister, Jesse. And then maybe he would be that $5 million player, but I just don't buy it right now. I get the flaws in Bertuzzi's game. He's not great defensively. There's been some injuries before and he's coming off a bad year. Um, if you look only at the surface level and focus on Detroit pre deadline and really pre all-star break because he started to turn around below the surface without the scoring to match. But to me, that is a playoff type player that can get to the net front area, has a finishing touch. And it's something that you just don't teach. I think he would be a little bit more valuable. 
Comfort is a weird one for me. Love the player. I just don't love the idea of spending what may get spent on him. And I, I think Bertuzzi is well over a $6 million player in today's world, if not broaching seven, but that's just because I assume somebody would take a huge leap, uh, you know, of faith there. And, and then part of me says, I always thought he was going to go back to Detroit. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but, um, what else and who else, um, maybe has your attention the most, like, Debrinkit's name never, you know, came fully to light at the draft, but based on salary alone and past production, he has to be one of the biggest names still to be talked about heading into free agency and teams trying to create space tomorrow, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know like the Senators didn't have a first round pick, so there was like some talk that maybe they would try to get back into the round, but it feels like that would have been a mistake. And it's exactly what Chicago did last year when they traded him. They traded him for an imbalanced return just to get back into the first round when there really was no pressure to do it at that point. So with Ottawa, if they're taking the measured approach, which it does seem like they are, and now, you know, they have the answers on the ownership that were missing before. Maybe that changes the tone of the conversation with the player and a trade is taken off the board altogether, which seems super unlikely. It just seems like they can wait until August. Why not? You know, players like Debrinkat and Nylander, I think, are the two biggest names that could potentially get moved. And it's still a potential for both. There's no clarity on either one. But those are the players that not a lot of teams can afford. But those that can, the Detroits, the Buffaloes, the Seattles of the world, why not take a big swing? Those are the players to bet on versus the 28, 29 year olds that'll be available in free agency. You did mention Jesse Comfer. So um, I figured we'd ask you about the uh, PW, PHWPA, which is a professional hockey women players association and their buying of the premier hockey federation. So one league starting in January, is this good? Is this not good? What do we make of the, some weird merger or everything that's happened with women's hockey now, professional women's hockey in North America. I think the idea of one league is a good thing in theory. I don't think we were ready for it. I think that a year of two leagues competing against each other was actually going to be really good because I think they were going to push each other. You know, the whole idea of not being together in the first place was each side had some differences, but if you can say this side's going to get a, you know, a league minimum salary and the other one goes, wait, we need that too. And maybe the next one goes, well, we're doing this for our health insurance. And you know, the other league can turn back and say, we need to beat that. We need to do something better. I think that could have been a good thing, but given the financial standing of the PHF, I guess this is the best case scenario in in some ways, but it's still really bad. This the, the entire thing is horrible that players' contracts could just be terminated at will, that they're not getting paid unless they got their signing bonuses, that the PHF gave out false promises, but it doesn't look like the PW is doing things perfectly either. They're rushing some things along, I think, to kind of prioritize some of their players first and foremost. And, you know, the biggest takeaway is how many jobs are about to be lost because this league is not going to be as big as it would have been with two competing teams. That could have been 10 teams. This might be six or seven. Huge developing story. And it will uh, definitely be in the news cycle here for the next few days, competing obviously in the hockey realm with free agency that begins tomorrow. Shana, do you see the Sabres um, continuing down the path of exploring trade options to boost that top four or even make the goaltender move and or seeing them in unrestricted free agency tomorrow? I feel like the goaltending question is going to be a little bit interesting moving forward. Do they think they're a team that needs to swing big? Maybe they go for something a little quiet like Logan Thompson, but I do think that they have to do something there, even if it's just to get a really solid 1B for, for Devin Levi, mm -hmm. just in case it's like a safety net for him, which should be the priority, his development. But I do think that like the 
The big question is, what are they going to do on defense? That's the thing we're all the most curious about, right? Is it, could they go for a Brett Pesci? Could they go for a Noah Hannafin? Could they go for someone in the free agency market? Maybe Carson Soucy? Like we've talked about all those names, but I do have a couple questions at forward and the Jack Quinn injury kind of presses out a little bit more. For me, I was looking around at who's available via free agency and there's some, you know, solid depth forwards, but someone who kind of sticks out to me that I'd be really curious about is a trade option from the Jets because it does feel like they need to move players out very soon. I would be looking at Nino Niederreiter because I think Mm. he's that two-way versatile forward with really good finishing talent, which we know the Sabres need, that would, I kind of think, just add another level, not just to the top uh, six, but to the top nine. Because if you're going to learn anything from Vegas, it's have versatile forwards throughout your top nine, and this would help. Niederreiter would be on his what? On his fourth organization? (laughs) Yeah, in short order. Islanders, Canes, Wild, Reds, Jets. Right, but in short order for, yeah. yeah. Predators, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's because you're in demand and sometimes there's other reasons. I like Nino Niederreiter. I think he uh, he could. I'd rather have Ayafalo if we're going to trade with the Jets. Oh, yes, so. that too. Okay. That's fair, but he's a better. good four checker. And I think that'll balance out the rush game a bit mm-hmm. of Buffalo. Unless they say the rush game is our strength, go for someone like Pierre Engvall. Yeah, we were actually talking about him off air, but Shana, we're tight for time. So we have to bid adieu and really hope that in the next highly publicized league-wide event, we are all there in person. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Thank you. We will see you soon. Enjoy free agency. Thank you. Shana Goldman from The Athletic will wrap Sabres live.